0: The Bigfooty Port Adelaide Podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision.
1: My team, Kanda power.
0: I love the power. power, power. I love the power. Power, power, power. Hi guys, I'm Maca 19 I and this is the Bigfooty Port Adelaide Podcast coming to you live once again on Port Fan Radio. And look, back on the podcast for the first time in a couple of weeks, we've got co-host Fishing Rick. How are you,
1: mate? Mate, I'm back.
0: Aren't you excited? Oh, thrilled to bits.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Come on, sound sound a bit sincere next time.
0: (laughs) Mate, it is great to have you back on. It would have been better if we uh, could be chatting about a win.
1: Yes, I'm worried it's going to be one of those seasons this year.
0: It's not looking good, but uh, you never know. You never know what will happen. Hopefully there's uh, something we can salvage from it.
1: The wheel can turn quickly.
0: That's it. And for the first time on the podcast, we are speaking with Fade to Grey. How are you, mate? Yeah, great. Thanks, Maca. Uh, Rick. Great to have you on. And look, as uh, a bit of a special. After the podcast tonight, uh, we will air an exclusive interview Rick uh, had today with uh, Brendan Archie. So uh, stick around and make sure you listen to that after the podcast. It's a cracker of an interview. And, uh, Fisting, look, Arch. Um, Fisting Arch. Fisting Arch. That uh, doesn't sound all that uh-huh. great. Oh, he's
1: a so. fister he's a fister he's got the fisting of the handball he's the man
0: true true the two fisters together that's right yes and hey, look Vinny as it's no your first time on the podcast just in the fence <laughs> that's it yes as it's your first time on the podcast mate so can you give us a, a quick reason why you support Port Adelaide uh,
2: well grew up family is a port supporter my mum's was a huge port supporter had a interesting upbringing where she worked in an orphanage. So I was a kid that had my mother there, but I lived in an orphanage. Um, She knew Carl Fragamini and got Carl Fragamini and Russell Eber and Bucky Cunningham to come down and they'd regularly come down and had kicks with the kids. And I was pretty much hooked from about the age of four or five. Started going in 1980. So good time to start going. Yep. Uh, first game I ever remember going to was Albert and Oval. Loved seeing Tim Evans take a mark in the goal square and boot it right out of the ground. That was a highlight <laughs> of the day for me. Yeah. Good stuff. So that's Do you have I a favourite player? Uh, uh, of all time? Yep. If all time uh, would be Craig Bradley. Oh, uh-huh. nice. I remember... Being a young lad, Mark Williams went into state and I was crying to my mom was a little sookie kid. Mum <laughs> said, oh, you keep an eye on who wears number 21 next year and you track how good their career goes and I bet you they'll be as good as Mark Williams. And
0: she was probably <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably, yeah. I would say so. What do you reckon, Rick? Who followed in
1: 21? Mark Williams.
0: Yeah. No,
2: Mark Williams yeah.
1: was first and then after Mark, Mark Williams, Williams, Craig first. Bradley took it. Okay? Then Bradley. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah, Craig Bradley was amazing. I, I, I'd have to agree. He was, Even though he played, what, only just over 100 games for us, I thought he was uh, a club legend, really, and what an amazing player. It's just, I guess, his amazing uh, efforts stretch over a rival club. That's the um, main, main difference.
0: I guess so did Chocos yeah. as well. So I guess that's a good question for the Twitter followers out there: is Who had the better career, Mark Williams or Craig Bradley?
1: Yeah, I'd have to go Braddles, I reckon.
0: I think Braddles just, just.
1: But I mean, let's not forget he was, what, almost a state-quality cricket player as well.
0: Yes, well, he played was, a few yeah. state
2: games, yeah. both in South Australia and Victoria.
0: Yeah. You probably missed not out yeah, on McGarry because he went away. He went away on a cricket mm. tour mid-season.
1: So, where yes. is he now? Yeah. I wonder. He's
0: an oh, assistant coach. He's got hasn't something he? to do with Carlton, isn't he? I think he yeah.
1: has. That's why, that's why we don't hear about him anymore. <laughs> mm. That's my joke Probably. Jokes, <laughs> <but not>.
0: Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Look,. uh... First things first, um, I guess we should probably start with the news that uh, list manager Jason Cripps, um, as we know, he collapsed uh, whilst on his morning run over the weekend and the club has confirmed today that he did have a heart attack. Um, he was put in an induced coma over the weekend, but is now awake and talking to his family. So you know, quite a sad and distressing situation there, but um, by the sounds of it, hopefully he's over the worst of it.
2: Puts awake in a little bit of perspective, I suppose. Things could be worse.
0: Well, he's only
1: 38, so he's way yeah. too young to be um, suffering anything like that. So, yeah, like you said, Macker, it's great that he's uh, slowly recovering, and obviously it's going to take a long time, and, uh, yeah, hopefully he gets back to full health, and when he's capable, he's uh, doing the good job that he's been doing for us.
0: Absolutely. Yep, he's uh, one of our most important staff members.
2: reading has been pretty much spot on. or well, trading at least. Yeah.
1: Well, he wasn't too po- he wasn't too popular as a coach when he was helping us out there, but his uh, his popularity's grown quite well in recent time. That's for sure. And yeah, I don't know how long does it take to recover from a heart attack? Probably three four months. So, you know, hopefully he doesn't put too much pressure on himself trying to come back. You know, to try and fill in the uh, uh, the void in his job role. You know, he's probably just got to focus on his recovery. And I'm sure the uh, the club's smart enough not to uh, let him focus on that anyway.
0: So what we might do now is our love and hate, uh, which is one thing we loved, one thing we hated in and around Port Adelaide this week. So, Vinny, do you want to start with your love and hate, mate? Sure. Uh,
2: Well, the love's not too hard. I thought the love was Chad Wingard's effort on the weekend. And generally over the year, I think his year's been a little bit underrated. When you hear people go through the list and who's having a better year this year than last year, not many people mention Chad. And I think he's having a far better year this year than what he did last year. And the hate was the wide play, the amount of times we just avoided the corridor. You could see at the ground that Geelong did have the corridor stuffed up, but sometimes you just need to take the risk. You're going to have to bear, I think, a few turnovers that lead to ugly goals rather than constantly going wide, because if you constantly go wide, then you just, we get trapped. It goes out. At least if you take the risk, it might cost you a couple of goals, but it might gain you a few more.
1: Well, Chad yeah. surely has to be in All-Australian mode. I mean, that mark and goal he took was uh, unreal at the uh, in the third quarter there, but he'd have to be pushing All-Australian form the way he's going.
0: Yeah, well, there's not many players out there that are averaging sort of you know, 23, 24 touches a game and two goals a game. So I think he's definitely in all-Australian form. I think he's probably having a better year than his all-Australian year in 2013 to date. So Mm. he'd certainly be up there. But I do agree he hasn't really got much of the press about it.
1: Is he a bit of a victim of his own um, greatness, so to speak, in, in what people expect of him? So, you know, he just makes 23 possessions and a couple goals a game look reasonably standard.
0: Possibly, yeah. I think that's I part think that's, of a, it. that's a fair point. Yeah.
1: Well, we'll see how he keeps going. But if he keeps going, he'll have to make All-Australian form and he'd almost uh, be taking over the charge with know, uh, for the, the BNF, the way those two are going.
0: Robbie Gray would be up there as well and that's uh, probably about it, I would think, at this point.
1: He <laughs> sounds so enthusiastic about that. <laughs>
0: Well, there's not many players that uh that are in sort of best and fa- best and fairest winning form. I would say it's probably mm. only those three, and that would be about it. There's there's players that have had sort of um you know great starts to the year or, or great sort of runs of form, but not uh, throughout the whole season.
1: Yeah, yeah, it sums up our season, doesn't it? This the inconsistency we're so. having as a a player and a and a team. But, so, uh, what were your
0: love and hate, mate?
1: Well, I guess, you know what, I, I do love Maca at this. Even though I'm very disappointed where we're at, um, I love seeing the players that are getting an opportunity and where, they, where they're where they at on our AFL list. So um, I've been defending uh, with a couple of other helpers today, uh, Sammy Cahoon's uh, performance. Yes, he may not have um, warranted the call-up that he got, but I thought coming back from an ACL... Um, you know he did a good job and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I know people have been very critical on players like Sam Gray and Paul Stewart and, and even Aaron Young uh, they, those type of uh, role players and trying to forge their way in the side so but I mean you know injuries are creating these opportunities for players and, and we're sort of getting to see how deep our list is and and what deficiencies we've got and who's going to be able to step up and who can't so um yep. yeah, that's probably my, my love, even sort of an indirect love, I guess, and a bit of a oh, that's sadist. Fair yeah, that's
0: fair I enough. That's fair enough. I agree, but I disagree with the fact that Sammy Cahoon didn't deserve his call-up. I thought he did deserve his call-up, but we'll talk about that yeah. a bit later on as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, I, I haven't I seen any he was pretty before. decent. So, yeah. I mean, I didn't know if it was or wasn't, Yeah, you know, but obviously some people were pretty critical of it. But, yeah, and I guess my hate would have to be those... Damn bleeping effin' inconsistent friggin' umpires! I mean, they did not cost. They did not cost us the game. We cost ourselves the game, but those umpires helped us <laughs> in costing us the game. The inconsistency in the in the interpretation of the rules between one team and another um, was just diabolical, and I just really feel for Aaron Young with that holding the ball uh, decision for his apparent ducking the head. Um, To me, that's not what the rule was all about. And I don't know how else um, Aaron's supposed to collect the ball. Are we in like a a warehouse now where Mm -hmm. you need to bend your knees and have the straight back when you collect the ball, similar to lifting a heavy box so you don't do any back damage? Um, you know, it was just a ridiculous call, which resulted in a goal, and and those things de- deflate players and also uh, reduce their confidence in uh, in what they're supposed to do in a in a game day situation. And oh, it just yeah, they were very very infuriating, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. And I guess to sum it up, if you watch the replay, you hardly ever hear Channel Seven commentators um, talk about the umpiring, but there was probably at least six occasions where. They thought the free was going to us or would be a dead ball when it went the other way, and, and that really happens in, uh, in football. Yep. Maggots.
2: Well, the first, the first one in particular, the, the one you're talking about, that one <laughs> had me furious at the game.
1: It's, that bald-headed scumbag.
2: <laughs> yes. Hey, easy, easy on the bald people,
1: mate.
2: <laughs> Never trust I the bald-headed
0: hope- umpire.
1: They're all bad. The oh, damn him. Mm. That's it.
0: Well, look, my love was uh, Kane Mitchell and his game on the weekend. His form this year and the way he goes about his footy, um, I absolutely love it. He's obviously got some uh, some pretty obvious limitations to his game, but look, love him or dislike him, you can't deny that he puts absolutely everything out on the park and is doing everything possible to make an AFL career for himself. Yeah, what did he have? Uh, 30 touches, 13 marks, 10 tackles, 7 clearances, 6 inside 50s, 5 rebound 50s, a goal and a partridge in a pear tree. I mean, there's not much more that he can do um, to give himself the best chance of of getting back into the AFL team and making a bit of a name for himself. So all he can do is play to the best of his ability and look, if he dominates at SANFL level, which he does, then, then more power to him. Um, and look, given some of the form of uh, of some of the more talented guys in the AFL team at the moment, I think it's great to see a player out there doing everything possible they they can do uh, to succeed, and he deserves a lot of credit for it.
1: And not only that, he also tries to connect with the fans, and it was either last week or the week before, he was there on a Friday night helping the cheer squad um, make the banner. So, uh, you know, good on him for that, and I think that's a great love, maker. and it will be interesting to see if uh, he gets back in on on that performance.
0: You would think so on the I back of that. I think he deserves game. to get back in. Yeah, absolutely. Where is he
1: going to play if oh, he does get selected? What is his role? He will
0: we... I would think he will take over Sam Gray's role. I would role. I think that he does Mike's a better role. I think he does a better job at it than uh, than what Sam Gray does.
1: So forward pocket
0: more forward flank sort of um, pushing up to the wing, that sort of thing. I yeah. think we've got... with have out the side with Pollock out the side. We're going to need his sort of running ability. Um, and I think it might be pretty important this week.
1: Mm. Do you boys I play in the white
0: can... role this week.
1: Could we have Sammy Cahoon and Mitchell both in the side?
0: No, I think they probably play slightly different roles, I think. but um, Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I think if uh, if Amon's fit and ready to go, then I think um, Cahoon might drop back out. But look, we'll talk about that a bit later on as well, I guess. Sure. Um, my hate this week is the way we move the ball. It's just um, absolutely horrible. Our game plan has stunk all year, and it came to a head on Friday night with one of the most frustrating games in terms of ball movement I think I've seen since um, since I've seen uh, some of the, the Choco era... Um, footy, you know, trying to work out tempo footy in the mid-2000s, that was bloody frustrating as well. But, you know, we're not brave at the moment. We don't take the game on. In fact, we play almost the exact opposite. We're, we're scared to attack. You know, we are 18th in the league in schools from turnovers. Given how well our back line uh, does in taking the ball off the opposition, I think that's an indictment on the rest of the team that we are the worst in the league in that stat. Um, and look, I said on the forum that, uh, that we basically play like it's a game of backgammon. You know, we sort of hug the boundary, we slowly move it up the field, hope it goes out of bounds and we reset for our next turn and you know we must have had a world record in out on the Falls um, on Friday night and it's no wonder because our bowl movement is uh, is pretty horrendous uh,
2: nine out of bounds on the full on the weekend record thirty only
0: nine I, rec- I, f- I reckon yep. it would have been about 15 <laughs> it's seen it's seen more <laughs> it seemed Apparently a lot though.
1: I got drunk go. after about yeah. the third one so I could lose count on purpose <laughs> I
2: mean, it's no wonder pretty, we kick
0: it out on the full so much because we give ourselves so little margin for error. We hug the boundary so closely. I'm, I'm really not sure what we're trying to achieve.
1: Well, do you want to talk about ball movement now, or do you want to wait until we get into the official review? Or
0: I think we'll probably wait. Start, okay. Yeah, I think we'll wait yep. till the official review. I think we'll. Um, we've had quite a few uh, Twitter. Sort of responses so far, Crazy Big Owl's tweeted in and said, Bradley by the length of the Flemington Strait, one of Port's best ever. Got to agree with that. Um, Alex Hale has tweeted in and said about Wingard, if he played for the Crows, he would have his name up uh, in lights just like the others do here in SA, which again, I've got to agree with that. Um, And Matt Sullivan's tweeted in and said, "Um, the critics uh, frustratingly say the opposition have worked us out. I think it's too simple of a comment. Um, What are our thoughts?
1: Mm-hmm. I, think I think it's, it's between been, the years. I, think, I don't I think the, boys I don't have think the
0: opposition have worked us out. Them.
1: No. The boys have worked themselves out. I think they're feel, feeling the pressure of expectation. And if you go back to uh, some of our thoughts right at the beginning of the season, it's always been about how are the boys going to handle the expectation and the heat this year. And um, they obviously have put a lot of pressure on themselves to perform and, and I think they're starting to feel that pressure, which is a bit unfortunate. But you know, all we can hope is that they live and learn from what they've created.
2: I'm hoping it's a Geelong 2006 type season where they went backwards in 2006 and it turned out okay the next few seasons for them. So yeah. hopefully mm. it's something similar to that where we've gone backwards a bit this year for sure.
1: If Make you want to be a, a pessimist pe-
2: you need to go backwards.
1: If you want to be a pessimist it's almost a 2008 uh, like season as well mm. for Port Adelaide which didn't go too well for us and well I don't I'm not a doom and gloomist <laughs> I don't think it's the end of the world I think it's a bit of a blip but um, yeah 2008 yeah it was very scarring and uh, I think we're uh, sort of in that uh, pit of despair at the moment I don't I just don't know how they're going to grind their way out of it.
0: Um, so we might as well go straight on to the review. And obviously it was round 11 and it started on Friday night for Port Adelaide. And, you know, once again, we failed to deliver at home. Um, this time losing to Geelong, 11 goals, 3 to 14 goals, 8. So Chaddy Wingard, the superstar, once again with four goals. Also Robbie Gray and Westhoff kicked two goals each. Uh, for me, it was the one that got away. And um, what happened out there?
2: I thought the first quarter started off pretty well. We were, the first quarter were playing well. Geelong only got the ball forward a few times. When they did get it forward, they were very efficient and got a couple of balls over the back and kick goals off the ground. Um, Yeah, after a quarter time, Geelong really got on top in the rucks, I thought. We were absolutely destroyed in the ruck. That's the worst I've seen Lobie get destroyed in the rucks since a game back against Sam Jacobs about three or four years ago. Yeah. That's yeah, well, the ruck
1: work seen was you, very bad. Seen you talking about the ruck, and I, I emailed a question to Maka, which I think is a fair discussion point today, um, and I'd love to hear what the uh, the people listening think too. But now, with the ruck and how Geelong set up with the ruck, was Lobie smashed, but also what did the umpires poorly adjudicate um, the third man up? At the stoppage in this game, and was so therefore was Loby in an unfair position at the stoppages.
2: I thought part of it was down to our own players that when you realise that Blitzers or or Stanley's in the contest and going to be the third man up, put a body on him that they have to nominate a particular ruckman to go for the ruck contest. You can put a body on him, the third man up. You can't put a body on the main ruckman. So if they nominate yeah. a ruckman then someone like Wines or someone with or Westhoff should have been floating forward into the contest and put a block on for
0: lady. Yeah, for me it was poor coaching. We we didn't really seem to have any idea of how to stop Blitzarv's having that sort of impact as the third man up. And look he ended up having a an incredible game, you know, sixteen touches, twenty hit outs, something like that. Um and he had, you know, an untold influence on the on the result out there, but yeah, you know, we just didn't really seem to do anything to try and stop it. I mean, I would have thrown West off on him and just told him to get in his way, so he couldn't do it. But all uh, you know, wines, as you said, I mean, someone out there to just just to block his run or keep him accountable, but it, you know, it just didn't happen.
1: Well, the commentary seemed to be, when I watched the replay, they thought Wines looked a little bit lost with his positioning and he didn't know whether he should be going for the ball or he should have been blocking Blitzard. Uh, I think it's a bit of a waste to be using uh, Ollie Wines as a as a blocker because he's our main contested ball clearance winner. I think what you said, Mac, is the most logical. Why wouldn't you bring up Westhoff um, to to sort of play man on man? I mean, it's almost a natural match up for that blitzard, really. And uh, we didn't really experiment with that at all, which uh, I find staggering. Or even maybe. Bring in the body of, like, Jonas, who can be good at that negating role, even when he's undersized, and playing a, a Jonas on that blitzard.
0: Yeah, I'll look, it would have made sense, but, um, you know, I guess that's something well, they would, would have spoken making, about in their review.
1: Who would be making those decisions? The players?
0: I would say the midfield coach and Ken Hankley.
1: Oh, so who would that be? Josh Carr? The midfield
0: coach. Josh
1: Curran, Michael Watts. Right. So we need to be asking them the question, what's going on? So, yeah, I agree with you. I think it was a bit poor, but I also think the umpire sort of let it get away. And I, I also wonder, because they've brought in that blocking rule now to try and stop people from blocking players from getting to the contest. Uh, I don't know if it's just, that's just for marking contests only, but maybe there's a bit of confusion with the players there as well about, well, can I block or am I going to give away a free kick by stopping that person being able to get to the contest? It's so a bit it's more of a contest situation. Yeah, but I found in the second quarter, if we uh, if we continue on with the second quarter, we had passages there where we did control the momentum for extended period of times, um, but we didn't capitalise on it. I mean, what we kicked five goals in the last three quarters, and yeah. I think one of our biggest issues was from the second quarter onwards through to the last. Uh, our disposal out of the stoppage was woeful. We just we oh, went yeah. with the Robbie Gray had what two flying air kicks out of the stoppage instead of taking the ball and and trying to run and carry, you know, which is what his bread and bread and butter is. And and Ollie Wines was just slinging it onto the boot, and we just kept kicking it uh, out of the stoppage to an outnumbered structure where Geelong would have multiple more players at that. that at that point of the game and uh, and therefore didn't get the ball or it would go out in the fall or out of bounds. And then they would, they would just sweep it back. And I don't understand why we didn't try to to generate our handball and run and carry game when um, yeah Geelong were just sitting those numbers back.
0: Yeah. I mean, it seems quite strange because all pre-season, all we did was sort of handball out of packs to the point that we commented numerous times at the start of the year that we were just over-hand bowling the bowl and we should have got it on the boot a bit quicker. And You know, if this is the result of us putting the bowl on the boot a bit quicker, then I'm not sure I like it at all because it was just ridiculous. But, I don't know, we, we just seemed... I don't know, for me, I thought we looked scared on Friday night. I thought we looked scared of contact numerous times. I thought we were scared to take risks. We were scared to run the bowl. You know, we were scared to play to our strengths. And, you know, a number of times our players choked under pressure, I thought, or, or perceived physical pressure. Um, And as I said earlier, we talk about being brave, but there was nothing brave about how we were playing on Friday night. I thought we we shirked the issue numerous times, especially in the first half, and were pretty uninventive with with how we were sort of trying to play the game.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just thought that the amount of times when we could have gone inside to a contest or gone outside to a contest, 100% of the time we always went outside. Occasionally you have to take that risk, go inside... Yep, sure, it's going to turn over sometimes and it always looks terrible when it happens. But that's how you get the run developing. That's how you get the switch of play going. That's how That's how the game we played in the last couple of years. We did switch of play. We did take the game on. We, Yep, we turned over the ball sometimes as well. But yeah. if you're going to get that running game going, which is what our strength is,
0: you've got to take the
2: risks. Well, that's yeah.
0: right. But is there anything in the fact that we are now playing so wide since Polek is out of the side. I mean, he was always one player that you knew would take the game on through the middle, wouldn't be scared to sort of, you know, try and break a couple of tackles and, and set up play through the corridor. I think, yeah. I think we're definitely missing him.
1: But I mean, it's... But there's other players that do that too. So, I mean, we're not even seeing that run with Jasper through the, through the middle of the ground... Um, that we're used to. Um, you know, Bokey can do it. Robbie Gray can do it. So I admit that, you know, Pollock's a big loss and a, I'd rather him in the team than not. But um, we've got other players that can replace that role and, and fill it, and even and, and even Brad Ebert. You know, I mean, when we started this podcast two years ago, Mackie, you know, ET was, was talking about just his gut-busting bu- running and his line breaking, and that's sort of been synonymous with... Um, Brad Ebert for the last two years, but even I haven't even noticed that. I mean, he's still been a great player for us, but it's sort of been a different role. I, you know, there hasn't even been that Ebert line breaking run either. It's just I don't know where our run's gone and why it's gone. Mm. And I don't think it's a fitness thing either.
0: Yeah, not sure. I mean, could it be that they've overtrained?
1: No, I don't. I don't think so because I mean. If they were overtrained, we would have that dilemma where we would be playing this game plan, we'd be trying to go through the middle, and the boys would be blowing up, and they'd be running short of gas, you know, through the third or last quarter, right? Well, that's but exactly the, the boy, what's
2: happened.
1: Yeah, but they're yeah, not. They're just not,
2: run short of gas.
1: But they're not playing that run and carry game though. Yeah, so it's like they're pl- they're blowing out of gas before the game's even started.
0: Yeah, but maybe they're not playing that sort of game because they know if they do try and play that game, they won't be able to last the distance. As we saw against Hawthorne. It's well, so a chicken it or egg sort stage, of maybe. scenario, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, what do you do? You don't play it at all and and then you just have these crappy games that we're playing or you know, do you go no, hard? Well, as I said, you, take... you've got to
0: take risks. You absolutely yeah. have to. You know, Kenny Key's banging on about being brave. You've got to be brave. I want to see us play brave footy. I want to see us take risks. And if it doesn't come off, then you know who cares? At least we're having a crack. At least we're not kicking it out of bounds on the full fifteen times a game.
1: Well, what happened to the motto of "We would never ever give up"? I think we've. I well, feel like we've uh, gone away this
0: year. Mm.
1: Yeah, I feel like we've lost it this year. That, yeah, you know, and I haven't even heard Ken even quote it.
0: Yeah. No, that's true. So, I mean, our last quarters have been horrible so far this year. Once again, we only had the one scoring shot in the last quarter this week, and I think that's happened. Or I think we've scored less than 10 points about four or five times so far this year in fourth quarter. So there's certainly mm-hmm. an issue um, at the back end of games, which um, which I'm sure the club is trying to, to work out. But the thing about being brave, and, and a lot of people have said on the forum that... Um, you know, oppositions are setting up through the middle so we can't play there. But I disagree with that completely because, look, for the, through Geelong's period of success, what they've been known for is the fact that they always play through the corridor. That's what they're known for. And everyone knows it. The opposition know it. The media know it. The coaches know it. They all try and stop it. But Geelong, no matter what, they still played through the corridor. So I think that's just what we need to do. If that's the way we want to play the game, we can't be... Scared of what's going to happen if we go down there? We've just got to go ahead and do it. Simple as that. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean,
1: did you guys know? To me, at the game, even though I had a couple of drinks, I just noted it was just so noticeable out of the stoppage how clean and easy Geelong were getting the ball out of the stoppage compared to how difficult we were finding it to move it out of the stoppage. Was it was it that noticeable for you guys?
0: Definitely.
2: Yeah. Their clearances. Much better than ours.
0: Their clearances revolved around sort of getting it on the outside and then running it clear, whereas ours sort of involved sort of getting it on the outside and banging it on the boot as hard as we possibly could, straight down the throat of Harry Taylor or Corey Enron.
1: Mm. And we sort of lacked that defensive sweeper for a fair chunk of the game too, didn't we?
0: Well, we had Broadbent back there, and he played a a reasonable game, I guess. But, you know... (sighs) I wonder if the coaches thought it sort of staggered me that we allowed Corey Enright to, to run free so much through the first three quarters. Obviously we put um, Gus Monfries on him in the last quarter, but I mean the damage was already done at that point. I mean Enright had a massive game and you know, I, I just wonder if they thought, you know, it was a bit of a nil old draw because Brody was playing so well for us as well.
1: Mm. I mean, talking about Brodie, I thought I thought the, one of the positives, especially in the second half, I mean, Jasper's first half wasn't that great. Um, but in the second half, I thought, thought Jasper and Brodie, um, their output was a lot more similar to what they were at the starting, starting few games of the year. So I took that as a positive. And another comment for you guys maybe to reflect on is um, Tom Jonas seems to be down in form. And last year, his form dropped when he had to play that accountable role when Jacko was out of the side as well. Um, does he really struggle with that accountable role and is he much preferred to that thir- that loose man, third man up role?
0: No, I think he does all right in the in a more accountable role. and I didn't think Stevie Johnson had too much say in how the game went. I thought he did a pretty good job defensively. I think the more alarming thing for me is the fact that he just gets outbodied so easily in front of goal at the moment. You know, we saw it against... Richmond we saw against Brisbane, we saw it um, on the weekend against Geelong as well, where he just gets nudged aside too easily, you know, 10, 15 metres out from goal. And, you know, his opponent takes an easy mark and kicks an easy goal. And, you know, that's not the Tommy Jonas that we know.
2: No, he's been very reliable the last couple of years, but pretty much from game one this year, his form's been well down. And he'd have to be pretty close to being out the side when Trangove comes back in. Because at the moment, I'd, almost, I'd probably prefer Cleary in the side than Jonas on current form.
1: Maybe he needs a bit more coaching um, on his body work, but uh, he's definitely down on form. I don't know if he's carrying an injury, but, um, yeah. But, I mean, I'll, I'd take away the positive would be um, would be definitely Broadbent and, and Pittard's second half. I thought they were working a lot better. Uh, Pittard was able to get some run, and I thought he'd had some great intercept set marks there in the uh, in the second half as well and uh yeah we're, and then obviously Chad's Chad's game was uh, amazing you know did you go, what did you guys think of his mark and goal in the third quarter
2: oh, Initially, i i was angry at the kick cuz i thought why are you kicking right into the pocket it's almost an impossible shot from there yeah. and then he kicked it so <laughs> i had to shut up
1: that's
0: it <laughs> oh, was, oh it was a great mark it was one of the marks of the, the year p-
1: it's a very courageous mark, wasn't it? It's not a it's not a flashy mark. It's not a knickknack climbing into the uh, stratosphere, but um, you know, going back one-handed, you know, you can't get a much better um, mark than that. And then to be able to slot the uh, the check side through nice and calmly as well, you know, I was hoping that that might have been our motivator to uh, to really start driving us back into the game and and give us a bit of lift and carry. But um, you could just see that the momentum just we had shifted and we just couldn't claw it back at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it happened probably four or five times where we kicked goals and you thought, right, that's going to be the fire starter, to quote uh, Dwayne Russell, but it just didn't happen and Geelong ended up kicking a goal within about two minutes every single time. And, you know, Chad's goal was a great example of that where I thought, uh, you know, if that doesn't fire up the, you know, the the rest of the team, then nothing will. But, um, you know, straight away, he sort of kicked another, you know, Geelong kicked another goal, so... That was probably one of the most frustrating parts of the game was that we just couldn't get any sort of momentum going our way. And probably the other frustrating part was the fact that um, we seemed to give up a goal within sort of the last 30 seconds of the quarter a couple of times. And I'm sure the coaches would have been tearing their hair out at that as well.
1: And our mate Ron Boys or Ford Fairlane on Big Footy, he's been banging on about the uh, the size of us for years compared to others. And uh, I thought Stanley had a ripper of a game and yeah. he was really the match winner for them in the first three quarters until he went off injured. But the size and bulk that he's put on since being at Geelong was amazing and I think it's actually offensive for us as supporters to call him a spud because... Uh, if he's a spud, he uh, that spud tore us a new one and he didn't play like a spud and you know he for, if I was a Geelong supporter, I'd be very excited about what he showed and uh, yeah I think uh, we should give credit where credit's due there. He had a uh, fantastic game and his size he had a an issue? Games,
0: no doubt about that well,
1: and is size yeah, an issue for us.
0: On yeah.
1: are we missing some physical presence with our players in in body size?
0: I mean, well, can't I mean, it's, it's a fair question. Time. I mean, are we. Obviously, they would have the stats on how strong we are, and I've got no doubt that we are as strong as any other team out there, but um, I don't know. I mean, it, it just seems that we lack that sort of core strength that um, that some of the better teams have, I guess.
2: I think we have more skinny players than, the, than some of the better sides. Obviously, people like Ollie and that, they're, they're as big as any of the other opposition midfielders. And mm. Boak is as strong as most opposition midfielders. But it's the, the lower, skinnier end of our list that I think is lower and skinnier than most other lists.
1: Yeah. Well, talking to Berger... So and... Berger was at yeah, a, a uh, function we had in January. And he was saying carrying that extra bulk is really wasted and unnecessary. Um, you know, so his opinion is that, you know, you just need to carry the muscle and you don't need to carry the fat that goes with the muscle, and, and obviously that sort of impacts on, on lesser injuries, I guess, through the physique of the body as well. So I can see the science behind it, but maybe that extra that extra bulk also protects players a little bit from impact injuries, and uh, either we need the physique to stop being outbodied, or we need to learn how, like, you talk about Jonas, how to position ourselves better, uh, not to be outbodied. And uh, you know, REH Nick always bangs on about Donahue at the club and with his wrestling, um, you know, that judo sort of background with the body cent- centering, the body weight, and everything else. Maybe, maybe that needs to be focused on a little bit more. But yeah, part of me feels like we're also going through a season where we we can see what's on our list and uh, and assess where our list is at.
0: Mm. I mean, you don't oh, want to be job. doing that when you are one of the Premiership favourites pre-season, do you?
1: <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I was, I was hoping that we would be top two right now and chugging along the way, you know, heading towards uh, a nice, exciting final series. But um, you know what? We've dropped four out of six games at home.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah, that's pretty depressing.
0: I think we might have a quick chat about some of the players. Um, Sammy Gray and Aaron Young, have they sort of blown their chance a little bit? I think for the next few
2: weeks at least. I think they both have to go back. I do have outs on both their long-term futures in the side. Sammy Gray, I think, he can't make it as a small forward in the AFL. If he's going to make it, it has to be as he plays in the AFL, as a midfielder. And I just don't think he's good enough to play in our current midfield. Aaron Young, I've got... A little bit more time for it. I quite like Young as a player. Um, he's bad on the weekend. Hasn't been very good um, when he's got his goes this year. So he definitely deserves some to go back to the Magpies. But long term, I still have faith in Aaron Young.
0: Yeah. I mean, Young, his best is incredible. His worst is invisible. That's probably the main problem with Aaron Young is that his consistency just isn't there. His, his low games are just you know completely pointless, whereas we know how very good he can be at his best, and he's played some absolutely brilliant games so far this season. I mean, Sammy Gray, I mean, I've almost lost patience with him with this. I mean, yeah, he just doesn't kick goals. He doesn't do anything that a small forward should do other than sort of chase and be a bit of a sheepdog, but we don't actually need a sheepdog. We need someone that can actually impact and hit the scoreboard as well. I don't think his skills are up to it. I mean, he, he had a couple of chances to, to do something on the weekend and, and just blew it each time. So, I don't know, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about Sammy Gray and you know, I think it's probably his last game for a while.
1: Oh, it could be. And uh, I can see the arguments uh, for, against, against Sam. I, I thought until this week he was sort of chugging in the right direction in picking up the speed of the game, which can take a little while to adjust. And... And maybe that's part of the reason with, uh, with Youngie as well. But I mean, what well, that was his second game. But I guess I'd probably mark Aaron harsher than Sam Gray because Sam Gray's had minimal um, impact in our side. What well, he hasn't even played 10 games. Whereas Youngie's, what, 23? Five years in the system with us now. And, um, you know, I'd be expecting a little bit better from Aaron uh, than what we're getting. And uh, I think it's mm-hmm. a bit of a concern. Uh, for him as a career, and, and I guess I understand how people keep banging on about um, Sam Gray and, and Paul Stewart and their roles in the side, uh, but our, I still think our issues, as I mentioned in the last couple of days, go a lot deeper than that, and yes, we can swap you know, Paul Stewart with Brendan Archie, and we can swap Jake Need with Sam Gray, but let's not forget Jake Need played probably three games in a row. Um, yeah, you know, in his first game against Frio, he uh, in round one he he probably was the difference why we lost the game with his turnovers and not handling the heat and the uh, constant cries for him to be dropped. Um, yeah, and so what's going to happen again? If we we're going to bring Need back for three games and and then what for Sam Gray? And then if he well, that's if, it. I mean, it's he...
0: shuffling deck chairs a bit, isn't it?
1: It, that's exactly my point, Maka. We're not... There's more... Even though I can see the reasons to replace them, there's still more fundamental issues like the inconsistency of Westhoff, the inconsistency of our captain, um, who's a great captain, um, the form of Matt Loby which has just gone down the toilet. I don't know where he's at at the moment. And, uh, you know, they're just a couple of players to start with. Jay Schultz um, in and out. Um, you know, it's... And then the, our our actual structure as a team, now that's a um, bigger issue um, than swapping Sam Gray for, for Jake Meade, as far as I'm yeah. concerned.
0: That's it. Yeah, I don't really think
2: Look, it's I'm... those 18 to 22 that are costing us the games. If you've got oh, young isn't... or you got more or... I don't think it's going to make a lot of difference to what we're doing at the moment. And when we're playing poorly, it's always the 18 to 22 players are the guys that aren't playing well either. So they're the first ones to get dropped.
0: When so many core players aren't backing up their performances week to week, then that's that's where the main problem is. And, you know, Rick, you named probably six or seven key players there, and you could probably add Hartlett to that list, add Jonas, um, add Pittard. You know, I mean, there's, there's a number of players who are inconsistent from quarter to quarter and from week to week as well. So there's no doubt that's where the problem is. And... But, um, you know, they, they, we've just got to find our structure and find the right sort of mix of players to, to get it right. And maybe we do need to bring in an extra sort of inside midfielder to help out the, the likes of Gray and Boak in the midfield and, you know, bring in a, a Moore and an Archie and see how they go in there.
1: But you have to play him as an inside midfielder. There's no point, oh, bringing, yeah. in, there's no point bringing in Andrew Moore and then playing him in the forward pocket or the half-forward flank in Sam Gray's role. Yeah, you know, this is, and this is again my point. I mean, if he comes in and just plugs and plays that role, well, then you know it's only going to be a couple of weeks before people are going, oh, he's only getting fifteen touches. Let's look at the watch when when's he going? It's not good enough. Um, yeah, but I I don't have a problem. I'd like to see Andrew and Brendan have an opportunity in that side again. I think their consistency at SFL level has been great this year, and and they both deserve an opportunity.
0: No doubt about that. Something that's noticeable for me and I think this is a reason why I want another sort of inside mid in the in the team is the fact that you know Travis Boat used to sort of rest in a forward pocket or a half forward flank and he used to kick a lot of goals and was taking a lot of marks inside fifty the last two years, but I mean, he's just playing as a midfielder and then he's off the ground this year. There's no rest in the forward line. And I think that's probably a bit of a crucial change to how we're going. He's only kicked five goals this year and he's only taken one mark inside 50. Last year, he kicked 19 goals. The year before that, he kicked 20 goals. So I think that's quite a noted change.
2: Yeah, definitely. I did notice that, but he hasn't had as much influence forward this year as he has in the last few years. You don't see him take that mark and he's been... He's kicked quite a few vital goals over the last couple of years, and this year, mm. yeah, no, I haven't seen much of him up forward just at not all. Not spending
0: any time up there at all, which is uh, which is a bit different. But
1: is that because we're we're lacking that courage again, Macca? Are we lacking that courage to put someone else in the midfield and and chuck Travis forward, um, you know, instead of just keeping him in the midfield the whole time, which seems to be a bit of a theme for this year with the coaches and the players? We. We seem to have gone in our shell in, in both areas and we're lacking that bit of courage. Well, how's, the, possibly, uh, how's the Twittersphere? I
0: think they, I think they feel that um, maybe because we've been struggling so in so many games this year that they need the best players around the bowl all the time. Yeah. So he hasn't Which really ways, had man? the luxury of going forward.
1: Mm. How's the Twitter sphere going, man?
0: Oh, look, I'll, uh, I'll have a bit of a look if you like. Um, oh, Scott S has great. tweeted I'm... a couple of times. He's, um, yeah. he said uh, the forward stoppage we lose and and we have lobe in defence sums up our night defensive mindset. He also says, um, agree guys, it's not portal Ken Hinkley like footy at the moment. It's just disgusting and weak. Just some uh, strong opinions there. So I want to go on to a to a couple of Ant Bear's questions, um, his traditional questions that he does in the uh, in the review thread. And the first one I've got is: uh, Were Colhoun and Redden before him sympathy selections? No, I don't think Colhoun was I, I, a sympathy selection. No,
1: no. I think Redden was a desperate selection, which backfired, yep. and I don't think Colhoun was a sympathy selection. I think. Calhoun was actually a need selection. We we needed that link-up running accumulated player and uh, they went with him and he did his job.
0: Yeah, no doubt. As I said, we, we talk about this a bit later, which we're, we're doing now. And look, I thought uh, Calhoun's um, selection was more than justified. I'm not sure where this theory is that um, he was in terrible form in the SANFL comes from because... Now, he's been consistently in the best players, one of our best players all year, certainly getting a hell of a lot of the footy. You know, this isn't a Simon Phillips situation where he got, you know, four touches in the reserves and, you know, we just felt the need to bring him in. You know, he's been consistently high up in our best players in the SANFL week after week. So I thought his selection was more than justified and I thought he played a pretty good game on Friday night.
2: Yeah, Coming back, going back in for a long time. I thought it was okay.
1: Yeah, jinx with you there, man. I, I agree, I... I think for his first game back, I thought he was very good. And he's an accumulator, that's mm. what he is. He's not a burst player, he's not a Chris Judd player. He is like a Kane Corns type player. He's got that endurance and he, he keeps getting to stoppage, to stoppage, to stoppage. He wears off his players and we need that role in the side. I do question whether yep. we need him and Mitchell in the side playing that similar role, but you know he does that role well. Provides yep. the option.
0: No doubt. Next question is, uh, can we resurrect our season by beating Carlton?
1: We can beat Carlton. I don't think it's going to <laughs> resurrect we our Carlton. season. Yeah, ditto.
0: There is one <laughs> I think we can, stat we the can definitely beat them, but I'm not sure it's going to resurrect anything if we do.
1: I think Ampere's question would be is... better the week after the bye. Yep. Beat Sydney, then that can re- re- resurrect our season. Yeah,
2: that's There is a wa- one worrying stat this week. Um, I'm actually going to see the game this week, and I've been to roughly 20 interstate games, and I've seen us win once.
0: So
2: <laughs> that's a worrying. You and
0: Matthew <laughs> could <can> cry together. <laughs> that's it. I'm going over, and I don't think yeah. I've seen a an away win for quite a few years now as well. So bit of a concern.
2: Well, the only one I saw was the o- was a good one. It was the O4 Grand Final, but that's the only win I've seen interstate.
0: Jeez, it's going back Never a fair seen way. A home. <laughs>
2: So I p- deliberately picked this game because I thought uh, we're a pretty good chance to win this week and it's not looking so good now.
0: Sweating bullets. <laughs> that's what I'm doing at this point. Uh, next question is, uh, when did out on the full become a tactic?
1: Hmm, Hasn't, has it? It's, uh, if it is, it's a pretty woeful tactic. I think that's just a victim of uh, our panicking under pressure, as you said earlier. Okay.
0: Do we spread too quickly from a stoppage?
1: The Vince Meister. What do you reckon?
2: Yeah. Um. I think that's part of that, but also, are we? I think our hands out of the stoppage aren't quite as crisp as what they were in the earlier in the year. So perhaps they're moving out of the stoppage, and the and the ball's not coming out as smoothly as it was at the start of the year. And therefore, that's what's creating too much gap.
1: I think that's a very good answer. if you got the ball, the you been... if you if you got the ball, you have to spread quick from the stoppage. So you can't just be flat footed and then shuffle it around. So if the players know that we've got possession, there's nothing wrong with them moving quick from the stoppage. But we don't have. I mean, I think back to the bulk of last. I mean, it's year. up to
0: the ball carrier to hit their targets. Quite simply. Yeah,
1: that's right. And you think of last year. How clean were we with our handball movement? Yeah, you know, we were slick. And this year, we're nowhere near as slick as what we were.
0: Yep. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Last question is, uh, have we gone over the top by playing two defensive forwards?
1: Mm, do they need to be defensive
0: forwards? I'd actually oh, say we're th- almost playing three defensive forwards.
1: We probably are. I think but I don't think it's the forwards I think it's the mindset those forwards could actually be attacking forwards if we want them to but we're telling them to be more defensive. Hmm. I think Paul Stewart I like Paul yeah, Stewart as a player. Yeah, you know, as an example I'm going to pick on Paul Stewart here but you know I think Paul Stewart is actually a serviceable player. Why not play him as a a third tall forward? And, uh, and give him an opportunity to play forward instead of being this defensive role player where when he seems to play that role, he just goes in a shutdown mode and doesn't get any ball himself. Why, why not back our boys in to say, get the ball, win the ball, kick the ball and kick the goal? And, you know, that's, that's what I've grown over the last two years to think that's Ken Hinckley's mantra and I don't know what the hell has happened to that.
2: Cheer, cheer the black and the white, Honor the by and
3: by night.
0: Live well, look, night. Uh, let's uh, move on to happier times uh, and talk about the SANFL. Um, Port won this week against West Adelaide 13 goals 9 to 5 goals 7. Um, once again, it was a bit of a slow start in the first quarter. We were trailing at quarter time, but Port kicked into gear with a 5 goal to, uh, five goal to zero second quarter and didn't really look back from there. Uh, Jakey Need, Johan Wagner, and Andrew Moore kicked two goals each, um, and it looks like a, a number of players have put their names up for selection.
1: Yeah, yeah we could have about players
2: that had a good week.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting, isn't it? What What's going to happen? But um, yeah, Maury did well, and you, as you pointed out, Mitchell had a, a gun game, didn't he? It's I just we really, Mitchell's the interesting player out of all this, isn't he? He's, is he going to be one of those players which is just caught in limbo between the two standards of leagues?
0: Probably. As I said earlier, he he's got some bit... noticeable limitations to his game, but you know, all he can do is perform the best he possibly can, and that's what he's doing, and if he deserves a crack on the back of that, then more power to him.
2: Yeah, he does seem a bit that sort of player that's too good for SNFL, but not quite good enough for AFL. I think if he's playing in a winning side, he's, he can be a better player. I think he's one of those guys that he's always going to look to struggle in the side that's struggling. Whereas if you're playing well, he does rack up. The, he can run, make position, gets a decent amount of the ball. I
1: was going to say, I heard our mate Logan Austin had a, a reasonable game and Billy Frampton backed it up with another one.
0: Well, Logan Austin didn't play, yeah. so, yep, he played very well.
1: Ah, oh, I'm thinking of Tom <laughs> Logan, aren't I?
0: You're probably thinking of Tom Logan. yeah.
1: Got yeah, Tommy name. Logan
0: was. <laughs> that's it. Tommy Logan had a good game. He had 21 touches and 12 marks. And Billy Frampton, he was he wasn't too bad as well. He sort of chopped out in the ruck a bit and did alright. It was Dougal Howard's debut. Um, he picked up 11 touches, two marks, and kicked a goal as well.
1: And how did the big controversial Big Mitch go? Nick's crying for him to be um, included in the senior side as a, a big clunking forward. Did he kick any goals?
0: He kicked one goal, three. He had a very good game. He took uh, nine marks. Had I think five or six inside fifties, and you know looked to play really, really well. Um, so he probably did his chances no harm. But you know, I guess that's an interesting one: is is will the club you know, actually pull the trigger on that and, and give him a go, or you know, with Ryder likely to be back this week, um, is it kind of a, I guess a bit unlucky for Mitch Harvey?
2: I think it's going to be a little bit unlucky for him. He's got to be very close to a game, but then I always get worried if we play him, I think one thing we've been lacking is run, and that's probably not his strength. So if we yeah. drop Westhoff for him, Westhoff hasn't been in the greatest form, but he does provide an enormous amount of run and does still feels in, in the back lines, and I can't see Mitch Harvey filling that role. So are you going to play him closer to the goal and then play... Shorts further up the ground, or how what, what role is Mitch Harvey going to play in the
0: side? Hmm. Look, I watched so, Tom Hawkins pretty closely on Friday night, and he didn't do a lot of running, it must be said. He's, he's pretty much a stay-at-home forward. He sort of patrols that forward 50 and rarely sort of goes beyond that. So, I mean, if we wanted to play a stay-at-home forward, I mean... <laughs> It's not like that sort of position in the AFL has has gone the way of you know the dodo or anything like that. You know there are still plenty of uh, key fours that do spend a lot of time close to goal.
1: I'm regressing to the AFL game. Um, if Rider's available, do we do my controversial comment of um, dropping Loby and bringing in Rider? Uh, and then devoid me of the controversial Warnock v Loby cup this week. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> well, I, I don't think they will. I think um, I think they'll play both, and they'll they'll try and make it work again. I think.
1: Do we need Ryder? I
0: think Lobie's uh, a favourite. Yes, we favorite? desperately need Ryder.
1: I think we desperately Definitely. need Ryder too. And um, did you notice my discussion – and I'm sorry I pulled from the Maggies back to the AFL. Um, did you notice my discussion this week with one of the posters um, sort of sticking up for Jackson there because they were sort of intimating that, um, you know, Jackson's a bit selfish for not playing uh, ruck, whereas I, I think I'd much prefer to see Ryder playing Jackson's role in the ruck and, and leaving Jackson – just as a key defender for what he is, I just don't think Jackson's got the size and the physical duress to probably be that ruck role, even though a couple of years ago I was a big fan of Jackson in the ruck.
0: No doubt. Oh well, look, if we had Ryder out there on the weekend, I mean, that would have just completely changed the game. Imagine Ryder going up against Blitzarves as the third man up, whilst we also had Lobey and um, Stanley around the bowl as well. I mean, it would have just completely changed the course of the game.
1: So that being the well, that case... Would That being the case, would Mitch Harvey be able to fill that role if Ryder's injured because he pinch hits in the ruck for the uh, SANFL side?
0: He does, but, I mean, running in the AFL is completely different to running in the SANFL. He's going to have to cover a lot more ground in the AFL. But as I said, I mean, I I would like to see him as a standalone forward in the AFL and and see how he goes. You know, tell him not to Mm. leave the forward 50. I mean, we don't have to have our key forwards, you know, playing on a half-back flank. Like uh, Jay Schultz does every week.
1: You guys have probably seen more of him than me. Is he is he showing that physical strength of a of a, a big man? Like is he is he exerting that sort of influence on his opponent? Yeah,
0: look, he's, he, a, big he's a big strong uh, lad. Yeah, he's a big strong
1: boy.
2: He's not Tom Hawkins just yet, but he could be in five years' time.
1: Yeah,
2: his kicking is beautiful. That's the one. The one great thing I like about his game is he gets the ball anywhere within 55 to 60. It's a decent chance to be going through. So, it's always a handy skill to have in a key forward is to be a good set shot. Jay Shorts has showed us that and I think he's, Mitch Harvey's pretty good kick. One three on the weekend. I didn't see the game, but that's not too good.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it. No, he has, he has had some very accurate kicking so far this year, so it was a bit of a blip for him, but look, um, I'm all for giving him a go and, and seeing what happens, but I think if Ryder's back, then um, his chance will be gone and you know he'll just have to bide his time a little bit longer.
2: Yeah, we can't bring Ryder and Harvey into the side. I can't see that happening. No. That's it.
0: Well, boys, I think we might uh, leave it there for now. Thanks for coming on, uh, Fade to Grey. It was great to have you on. Thank you.
1: I think you should. I think you should post on the Port Fan Radio Facebook page, the terrific view you had from Saturday's ga- Friday's game.
0: <laughs> it was so a crack of view, I have to say.
1: So people can comment with envy how good your view was. It was wonderful.
0: Best seat <laughs> in the house, mate. I will definitely post that picture up.
1: It was wonderful. <laughs> Do that. that would be great. And <laughs> thanks, guys, for another good show. And I uh, hope everyone enjoys. Uh, Brendan
0: no worries as we said uh, Brendan Archie's interview we're about to play that now so uh, stick around and um, and have a bit of a listen
1: ciao 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 alright excellent well we've got Brendan Archie on tonight uh, with the Port Fan Radio Show for, for the review segment and Brendan thanks for coming on no worries Rick thanks for having me Excellent. I, I always appreciate your uh, your support, mate. You, you're a champion. So, how are you anyway?
3: Yeah, not too bad, mate. Um, just obviously recovering from the SANFL game in the week and on the weekend, and just yeah, ticking along nicely, getting through this training week, and see what happens with the game this weekend. So, when you started, when
1: we met a few years ago now, you, you had a, a bit of knee tendonitis, if I remember rightly, and
3: uh, so you're all over that now because you were out a couple of weeks ago. You had to be
1: rested. Is is that right?
3: Yeah, yeah. So, um, the uh, tendinitis isn't going to go away anytime soon. It's more a management thing. So, I've had it since I was about 16. So, I came into the AFL system with it and it's, I don't know, well, for anyone who's ever had tendinitis, they know how sort of debilitating it is. So, mm. it's uh, basically leaves my left leg pretty much sort of useless. So, yeah. it's been a bit hard, you know, with the first three pre-seasons, uh, missing out a lot of that. But um, I managed to, to get through this pre-season, go to Dubai and um, it's always going to give me a little trouble, which is why I had the week off probably about two weeks ago, just so I can sort of manage it and it's just all about long-term really, just managing it and making sure I get through games.
1: So what was the difference for you then, I guess, um, being able to make it through this pre-season and, and previous pre-seasons? Just a bit, You're just a bit more physically mature or, or anything that Yeah, it's,
3: it's a bit of that. Um, so I've had pretty much three pre, three um, seasons of sort of you know SANFL footy, but um, I think the big thing was in my first two years I ended up having surgery at the end of the the season, so um, that basically meant I was out of action for three months um, after we finished the season. So I was always in rehab basically up till you know December January. So I was missing out that that big chunk of preseason at the start, which is when the boys do most of the running. But this this preseason just gone. I didn't have any surgery, so. I basically went home in the off season, back to Perth, and um, followed Virgo's program, and I was able to do, you know, all of Dubai, all of the running before Dubai, and all of the running after Dubai. So there was no surgery holding me back.
1: Well, it's pretty safe to say
3: that your forms
1: correlated with, with completing the pre season because you've had probably your, pretty safe to say your
3: best SAFL season so far. Yeah, very safe to say that. I think. I think. As, as long as getting the as well as getting the, the physical benefits of the the preseason what what you get with finishing one is just confidence as well because um, mm-hmm. I've never done that before and I've always sort of felt you know behind the eight ball all the boys were getting really fit and sort of leaving me behind a bit and when you're in rehab you it's not a great spot to be in because you just feel like you're sort of just missing out on what the the team's going through um, so as physical as much as the physical benefits are there with the preseason, I think just confidence as well comes with knowing that your body's gone through it. You're up there with everyone else in the team, so you sort of hit the ground running when it comes to the season and not trying to make up ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: I think the I've been keeping an eye on the Maggies. I haven't been able to get too much of their games, but the you know your form and their form as a team has been pretty good this year and starting to uh, get together a bit, bit more.
3: Yeah, it's been really good. Obviously, started out with uh, round one down in South Adelaide, and that was a really good win. Um, we sort of since then we've been a bit inconsistent through you know games and chunks of quarters and contests and stuff but on the weekend against the westies i think we finally put a four-quarter effort together and i think we showed what we're capable of i think we won by about eight goals something like that and just had a really good defensive effort so um yeah the maggie's team's coming really nicely um buddha and the rest of his coaches are, are you know getting the messages across and us as players are starting to listen and it's all paying off yeah, that you really,
1: uh, as a team, you flexed your muscle in the, in the second quarter and really just pushed forward from there. So uh, good to have another win, and you're, you're getting up there against uh, the top of the ladder. We just have to sort of battle against Norwood a bit more, don't we?
3: Yeah, well, this this year's a lot more even, I'd say, in the SANFL than it has been in the past. So, I mean, we went out to Central two weeks ago, and you know they were going for their third win, and they were like, really competitive as well. So it doesn't matter who you play. Um, obviously, Norwood's the benchmark, but any team you play in the SNFL at the moment's a chance to win, so we've got to be in our game defensively every week. Mm.
1: Without giving any secrets away, I guess, you know, is the Maggies and, and the, the senior power unit, are you, are you guys sort of structuring the same game plans at each level, or, or has Buddha got his own little different game plans compared to the, the AFL level?
3: Now the uh, the foundation of the Maggies is is pretty much the same as the power. So, um, you know, the the big thing for us is defense. So we always say that our best offense comes off our best defense. But Buddha's also a bit of a tactician himself, and he's always going to throw in you know a few tricks here and there. So the foundation is basically the same with a bit of icing on top. I think a bit of a uh, bit of difference in um, you know sort of messages for the week sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I guess since we've spoken last, you've played
1: three AFL games as a as a sub. How did you find it? Yep.
3: Yeah, well, I got the um, call-up after the South Adelaide game, so um, I didn't really expect it. I thought I would have had to put maybe, you know, three or four really consistent SANFL games together, but um, Kenny was really positive with me through the preseason and I think the um, the way I played that South Adelaide game sort of reinforced his idea that I was ready to play AFL. Um, so basically, yeah, like, the video went out. I think you know the the people upstairs, the media team filmed Kenny telling me, and um, I think it was just shock and excitement and all sorts of emotions. But it was just yeah, it was just really good to get out there and finally run out with you know the boys that I've trained with for four years and actually put on the jumper and go out and get the win. So I think the biggest thing for me was just yeah, finally just being able to say I've played you know with my mates. Yeah, and I guess now it's
1: um, just build up that form again and uh, keep hitting those KPIs and uh, and really cement a spot on the team from here on in, i take it?
3: Yeah, well, that, that's exactly right. I mean, as, as happy as, as I am to have played the three games, I'm definitely not satisfied because I've been sub each of those times. So I'm not going to be um, satisfied until I can play, you know, regular full AFL games. So for me, at the moment, um, it's basically just putting in consistent efforts in the SANFL and obviously as good as the um, power midfield is at the moment there's me Andrew Moore um, Kane Mitchell and a number of others that are performing you know pretty consistently and pushing for spots so it's um, there's a pretty healthy fight going on for spots in the AFL team well that's
1: what you need you need you guys pushing hard and uh, you know and you guys keep persevering and you and you'll get there I guess you know as you played the three games as sub there's no sub in the SA NFL if I'm if I remember rightly. Is it, is it a big change or culture shock coming on as a sub and playing footy compared to just starting the whole game? Yeah,
3: I guess it is a bit strange because you, you prepare exactly the same as everyone else. You get to the ground at the same time. You do the warm-up and the meetings and everything, but when it comes time to run out, you just basically run to the bench and watch the game for three quarters unless something happens during the game. So um, I, I love getting in the heat of battle like really early on that's why um, I love being in the midfield because you're straight into the into the fight but yeah I guess being sub was a bit different you sort of just have to wait wait it out and just I guess you can't get really too too much involved in the game because you never know when you're gonna go on so
0: mm-hmm. a lot of
3: the advice I got from the boys that have played sub before was just to just to relax really and just take it all in and just when the time comes, get ready to play. So that's what I tried to do when I came on. Is, that, is it harder to sort of pick in the pick up the momentum
1: of the game or once you're on, the adrenaline's just pumping and you just get in there and off you go?
3: Nah, for me, the adrenaline's pumping as soon as I got out there. So I was running yeah. around like a bloody endless chook. So yeah. um, sort of just get caught up in it all and you just want to try and just do everything as soon as you get out there because you've only got, you know... 25% of the time to, to try and make something happen. So, um, as much as yeah, as much as I enjoy playing sub and playing with the boys, I'm still looking for that full game.
1: I don't I don't reckon it's too far away, Brendan. I reckon it'll be coming soon. But what about the um, you got a bit of a reputation and you're a bit synonymous with that with that handball you've got there. The boys given you a uh, any nicknames or anything after that? You even got a video released on it.
3: No. Well, when I first came to the club, I did this video with my old man. Um, He just wanted to see how far I could handball. So um, he basically did a running commentary on it and said, um, Brendan Archie, age 16, going for the world's longest handball. Um, So I bloody handballed and the boys managed to get a hold of the video and now they just all call me age 16. So that's that's where the nickname's come from.
1: Yeah, uh, There's a mate. It's a great handball. I took I took some rugby players to the game on Friday, and uh, I was sort of pointing out because we were sitting in the Western Stand, and I was going, "Oh, you should have seen this guy's handball a couple of weeks ago. It was amazing." <laughs> and uh, just pumping your tyres up a little bit more, Brendan, for you. Uh
3: thanks, mate. Appreciate that. <laughs> so, what about
1: uh, if we, if I quickly ask you about? Um, uh, family, you you've got to be quite excited. It's it's Callum, isn't it? He might be. Uh, he might even be a potential AFL player at the end of this year.
3: Yeah. Yep. Hopefully. So yeah, Callum. He's my well. There's I've got six. There's six boys. So I've got five brothers, and he's the fourth oldest, and I'm the second oldest. So yeah. Um. Yeah. It's his um his draft year, and um he's playing state footy at the moment for WA, and they're they're not going too great at the moment, but um yeah, I think there's been a sort of bit of media talk about him and saying he's gonna go pretty highly, but he's a pretty pretty sort of humble, modest guy, so I, I think it's not getting to his head, which is good. Um so he'll finish playing the state campaign and then probably go back to South Frio, play a bit of Colts, hopefully a bit of senior footy and yeah, hopefully get picked up at the end of the year and he could be be playing AFL next year. As long as he doesn't play more games than me I'll be I'll be happy. Or <laughs> well, ta take, take too many more hangers. Yeah. Yeah, um, I know he's Every time I do a highlight in the SANFL, he bloody texts me a photo of him taking a hangout in the same week. So it's a bit of a competition going between me and him.
1: <laughs> so your goal is to get a few more um, AFL games in um, this
3: year? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So obviously uh, out of contract, so I've got a taste of what playing AFL footy is like. But as I said, I'm not going to be happy until I play full games. So for now... Um, all the coaches have told me is just to, to keep playing consistent SANFL footy. They're, they're pretty happy with I'm at as long as I keep backing it up. So um, it's pretty much up to me just to force their hand in selection and make them pick me. So yeah. um, hopefully I can do that a few times a year and start playing some regular AFL footy.
1: Well, I reckon consistency is one thing you've brought to your game this year. I mean, you, you've been, well, especially the last month, you're really getting the disposal count and having an impact uh, for longer periods in the in the game.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think it's you know, footy's pretty week to week, you don't really get a chance to look back, but you know, the first half of last year I was really struggling and um I think if you compare the numbers from then until now it's it's been a pretty big turnaround. So um for me I've got to remember how, you know, far I've come but at the same time I've still got a lot of a lot of room to make up, so yeah. just keep playing consistent footy, keep trying to find the pill and yeah, you never know. Hopefully Kenny will be uh forced to pick me. I'm sure it's not too far away, man. And uh, I'll I'll leave
1: it on this one for you. I, uh, my favourite uh, TV shows, uh, MasterChef. I like I like <laughs> watching them cook off. What's obviously what's yours? I, I heard you gave me a bit of a heads up what you're doing tonight.
3: Yep. Yeah, so probably the the favourite show at the moment's Game of Thrones. Um, so it's a bit of a I don't think you've seen it before, but it's a bit of a fancy sort of, you know, middle-aged dragons, that sort of thing show. It's pretty popular. Um, Every Monday um, when the episodes come out, we go around to to someone's house, one of the boys' houses. Um, There's about 12 of us that watch it every week, and the boy that's hosting has to cook up a spread and feed the other boys, and then straight after we watch Game of Thrones, so just a good opportunity to get all the boys together and have a bit of banter, a few laughs, and then, yeah, just get around each other. So who's, uh,
1: who's one of the uh, the better hosts? Who who seems to put on the best spreads? and?
3: Uh... Oh, that's a tough one. Um, it'd probably have to be Andrew Moore, I think. So he lives with uh, Matthew Lobey. Um so they both put it on, but Moore is a, a whiz in the kitchen. He's a real nice chef, so there's always something special when it's Moore's turn to host. Does anyone
1: uh, cheat and delegate and outsource the responsibilities to a partner or a girlfriend or something? <laughs> huh.
3: Nah, not allowed to do that if you've got... Game of Thrones night. You have to cook and you have to supply the episode as well. So, no such thing as help. You have to do it all yourself, unfortunately. And I've had to do it a couple of times. I just go to the old barbecue.
1: <laughs> I might have to invite myself around if there's a free feed involved.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got hey. season
3: to catch up on mate.
1: <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't mind sneaking in a little bit of Walking Dead every now and again if I can. I, I, did, I yeah. did
3: did get hooked into that one. That is a good show as well. And Suits, Suits is good. Um, Breaking Bad, that's been finished for a few years, but that's really good watching. There's a few good shows out there. Here we go. All right. And one last <laughs> one, What do, for all of us
1: fans, what do, what do us boys have to do for the, the Power Boys to turn it around? What do, just work a bit harder, work a bit smarter?
3: Yeah, I think we had a review today, and basically the main thing we got out of it was that we just have to be brave. So um, basically I think... We've been slowed down in our ball movement. We haven't been trying to attack it as much as we can. So it's not so much opposition that are stopping us. It's more we just don't want to make mistakes. So Kenny's been really big on making sure we play really fun, fast footy. So um, hopefully this week we can get back to our brave attacking self and, and start putting a few more goals on the board. So that's the uh, that'll be the focus for us this week. Absolutely. Big clash, Carlton, MCG, one of our only
1: appearances at the MCG for the year, excluding finals. So um, hopefully there's a nice crowd there and a great atmosphere and the the boys get another four points and put us back in the winning four.
3: Yeah, we want to square the ledger at 6-6 and head into the bye with that sort of record. So just build Mm. a bit of momentum going into the bye, you know, so we can carry that on to uh, the week after. So, yeah, now the boys... um, we had the review today, so we're confident. So just the supporters just need to hold on for a bit, I think. Don't lose faith. We'll be fine.
1: Yeah, we won't lose faith. We'll be there. And what a great crowd it was on, on Friday night as well. Well, Brendan, thank you very much once again for your time. I wish you well for this rest of this season. I I hope you get a couple of games, man. I think you're pretty close. And I'd love to see you get a couple of full games and, and try and break that uh, handballing record. And uh, we'll speak again soon, mate.
3: No worries, Rick. Thanks for having me, mate. Thanks, buddy.